for joining us today. In this message, we are faced with the choice of helping people. We must take on a vulnerability in order to reach out and heal others. We hope that you are encouraged in this message entitled, Healing Hurts. While they're heading out, take your Bibles out, please. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11. Don't you love the Word of God? Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, we thank you this morning that we don't have to travel this journey alone. Lord, you promised us that everywhere we go, God, that you would go with us, Lord. You're our constant companion. And Father, many times we forget that. And, Lord, sometimes we think that we're in all of these struggles by ourselves, But, Lord, we know that that's not true this morning because, God, we know that you are with us. And, God, we know that whatever we face, God, we can face it through and and in your power. And, God, I pray this morning as I bring the word, Father, that you just take me out of the way, O God. And, Holy Spirit of the Lord, I just invite you right now to speak truth into the hearts of people. Lord, there's so many people here today, God, they're looking for answers God, they're looking for something, God, and they don't know where to find it. And Lord, I just pray that they come humbly before you, Lord, and find what they're searching for this morning, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. amen. Well, praise God. It's good to be back with you, and it's good to see everybody. A lot of folks have been away on vacation, and you're back. Good to see you. Amen. We missed you. Um, It's been looking kind of sparse around here without you, and... I know that we've had some situations where some family members have been sick and and different events has been going on that was totally beyond our control. And uh, we've been having some praise reports that God has been moving. Amen. Lanita, it's good to hear about your mom. She's on the men and all. We're, we're praising God with you for that. Um, but it's exciting to see what God does in your midst, isn't it? Yeah. This is an exciting season that we're living in. Yeah. I mean, we're expanding the tent. Uh, We've had prophets come through. In fact, I believe the last time Brother John was here, the word of the Lord came through him that we needed to expand the tent, that God was going to increase our vision. And um, we've been a long time in in planning, and we're finally seeing some growth. And uh, we didn't get to do much this week. The rain kind of shut us down. But Lord willing, this week we're going to set some more steel out here and put this building up. And that's fun, brother. That's exciting. People like things that's new and fresh. You know, I remember the excitement that we had uh, when we first planted the church here. And, and uh, man, the people that came through just wanting to see what was going on, you know. Uh, and we're just like that. It's human nature. When we get into a routine, you know, things kind of get ho-hum and humdrum. And it's not fun. But when we do things that's new, it's exciting, right? I remember when I worked out at North Anna at the nuclear power plant. It, even during the time that they would have the outage... It broke the monotony of just the routine. And I don't know about everybody else. Wendell, it was exciting for me. All those new people coming in. And and uh, 
just seeing people that you had never met before from different parts of the country and learning about where they came from and, and reconnecting with old friends and stuff, and it was exciting. You know, even going back to school, as much as some kids like don't like the S word, you know, there's something exciting about doing something that's breaking the routine, something that's new. And um, if nothing else, at least you get new clothes, <laughs> new pair of shoes, you know, new notebooks, and get those new neat little protractor sets, you know, and a pack of colored pencils. Do they still do that stuff? Laptops, okay, you get a new laptop now, new iPod, you know, or I don't know what they get now, new calculator. Um, back in our day, though, a pack of colored pencils, brother, I mean, you were you had it going on now. You had new colored pencils. <laughs> and so we like new things. New things are exciting. I mean, when women go shopping, amen, they can't wait to get home, you know, and try it out, right? Uh, we're getting ready, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, to help uh, with a new church plant uh, in Ruckersville. Now, if you don't know where that is, if you go out of Charlottesville on 29, uh, where it intersects with Route 33. How many knows where that intersection is? It's a kind of a main throughway from two different directions, going north and south and east and west. Uh, well, Jeannie and I drove through there a couple of times and prayed over that place, in fact. Uh, we just felt God wanted to plan to work there. Now, we're not taking the credit for it, but I believe that a lot of people was moved with that. We're praying for Zion's Crossroads. Same thing. Uh, main main place, you know, for people to uh, intersect. Well, we, we had a, just out of the blues, a lady called me up. said, uh, we're out of Pastor Greg uh, Vogt's church in Orange Assembly of God, the church that actually helped us plant this church, and said, uh, we're planting a church in Ruckersville. And pastor said, give you a call. Said, did you guys had planted a church and I just want to pick your brain. Well, just to show you how God works now. I get to talking to them and um, found out that they were actually in Orange Assembly of God when we planted this church. And they remembered the excitement. One, uh, one guy came to Pastor Greg and said, I remember some of the most exciting days that I have since I've been in your church was when Louisa planted that church over there. And we were talking every Sunday about what developments they have made and people's being saved and water baptism and spirit baptism. And said it was just exciting. You know, and Pastor Greg says, well, it's, we always get excited when there's a new birth in the family. You know, it's just exciting. And so I uh, said they were a part of that and they remembered that. Well, then the Lord took them to Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, to go to school there. Well, they wound up in a huge church there. And then God spoke to their heart. This lady's a doctor. She's a holistic doctor. And her husband, I'm not sure what her husband does, but he used to be an AG pastor. And for some reason, he stepped down or his credentials expired. And he was in the process of getting his credentials renewed. And God spoke to their heart to come back to Virginia and plant a church in Ruckersville. So she's calling me up. And so I told her, you know, what we did and how God blessed us and how God moved in our midst. And she wanted to know about that area. Did I know anything about that area? And I said, well, no. I said, but if you want to ask somebody about it, uh, my daughter knows and, her, and my son-in-law knows all about that demographic there because she was the children's church and first assembly of God there in Charlottesville, just right down the road. And so she takes Charity's number, calls her up, and come to find out they knew each other. They went to the same church in Springfield, Missouri. Hello? 
I mean, it looks to me like God's in this picture. And now, I don't know if I'm supposed to let the cat out of the bag, but they're trying to recruit my daughter and my son-in-law to come and help them plant that church. Well, naturally, I'm praying for that church, brother. <laughs> so it's exciting, but I'm telling you, I'm just like the busting at the seams. Uh, because we celebrate things like that and and uh, new things. And there, it seems to be just a common thread that runs through the fiber of all organizations, any organization. I don't care if it's a job, if it's, it's a civic group, a religious group. There's something in common, and it's the desire to see growth. We want to see it grow and, and become larger than it is. Uh, Pastor John, and he'll probably share some of this. I don't know what he's going to minister on. He, by the way, he's going to be here the 8th, 9th, and 10th. Be sure you get that on your calendar. 7 o'clock Friday night, 7 o'clock Saturday night, and he'll be bringing the word uh, on the 10th, uh, Sunday morning. Um, but there in India, God, man, I could just go into the testimony because this is some incredible testimony that he has. But God through a series of events and over a number of years, led him to lead, uh, raise up a Bible college there. And as a result of that, he has trained over five, well, I don't know how many, but over 500 pastors. Now let that number soak in just a minute. 500 pastors. And built churches for them and planted them in churches. You got that? There are pastors that are over other pastors that are under him. I don't know if you realize it, but he's a modern-day apostle. And when you meet him, you would never dream that. I'm going to pump you here a little bit, brother, because he's just so meek and humble. and just You don't know that, realize he's the, the man of stature and importance that he is when you meet him because he's just so real, you know. Um, and you would think, 500? Praise God! You're doing good. That's a good job. And he's like, no, I'm not done yet. Amen? Because we all want growth. He's believing God to build churches and a house for the pastor. 2,000 in his generation. In his lifetime, he said, I want to plant 2,000 churches and build a house, train and place pastors in 2,000 churches in India in my lifetime. And I pray God that God lets you see your vision, brother. Amen. And we'll do what we can do to help you. So I believe that just almost every person wants to see growth. And, and I say almost because not every person does. You know, some people are satisfied with little or just enough. You know, uh, and, and when you think about that in a church setting, it's what I call the us for and no more syndrome. You know, we, we've got enough. We've, we've uh, reached a plateau at, in our growth curve and we're happy. And you say, what do you mean a growth curve? Well, with every, we'll call it a vision. If it's a company, let's say you want to start a business. Well, you get a vision. That's a vision. I want to build this company. Uh, in our case, it's a church. We get a vision. We want to build a, a full gospel church in the central Virginia area. Because when we planted this one, there were none here at all. And so that was our vision. And what happens is you start out with that vision. We learned this actually years ago in boot camp, and they revisited at the sectional meeting we went to the other day, and it, it jogged my memory. 
you start out with that vision and then you begin to grow and you begin to build structure and put programs and organizations into place. And if it's a company, you start gathering equipment and tools and all the things you need to do your job and, and you grow and it's exciting. But then you get to a point to where you've got everything in place, you've got all your chairs, you've got your PowerPoints, you've got your sound equipment, you've got your carpet, you've got your Sunday school teachers in place, and you have rolling, uh, roller rangers, and all everything's in place. It's working. Then you hit this plateau. You can get your 500 churches and your 500 pastors, and you can say, brother, we're doing good. This is comfortable. My salary's coming in every week. I don't have to worry about it. If there's going to be enough offering to pay my salary comfortable and a lot of people get right there and it's as far as they want to go they're happy but most people don't most people want more they want to do more they want to be more and they look at it as growth as exciting they want to build something bigger and better but in the process of this whole conglomeration what happens many times I've noticed it as a pattern, not just in this church, but I noticed it in my dad's church. And over the years, God has given me the privilege of serving with five different pastors and learning from them. And I saw it in their churches. What happens in this process is people come in, they look around, you get to know them, and the next news you know, they're gone. And you're standing there wondering what happened. What did we do? What did we not do to cause these people to leave? You ever notice that? You see them and then it's like, now you see me, now you don't. And you're wondering, what happened? How many of you would like to know what happens when people leave church? How many of you would like to know that? Well, I've been in prayer about this for a while. And what I've learned is there's not any one answer of why people leave church. But I believe that there, there is a, a common reason why people leave church. I, I've been looking into this for months now. Every staff meeting that we have, we have a staff meeting every Wednesday night. And we've been talking about this. I'm getting a sheet, a printout every month now and i'm putting a star by your name if you're here and if you're not here you don't you don't get your star so if you want your star show your little self up in church (laughs) but i'm doing that so that i can get some data to try to figure out who among us are just sporadic people because god love you (laughs) some of you are sporadic and you'll be sporadic until Jesus comes if, if you don't, you know, decide to do something different. That's your nature. You know, I'm not condemning that. I'm just saying that's the nature of some people. Uh, but some aren't. They're very faithful. And so I'm doing that so that I can tell that if there's a problem. Because a lot of times there's a problem and I'm the last one to know it. Because there's a lot of faces here, and I don't see every individual face all the time. And if you're missing for a Sunday or two, I may not even notice it, you know. And if somebody doesn't bring it to my attention, I I miss it. And that's not good. I should be more attentive than that, folks. I, I should. And this is a way that I can say, 
All right, now, this person is usually always here, and they've been out for three Sundays. What is going on? And so we've been doing this every staff meeting. We've been talking about this. Uh, I've had two meetings just in the past few weeks with the original core group that helped me plant the church here. And uh, let me just say something to their credit and to the credit of our church. Statistically, the core group that begins a brand new church plant, two or three, four or five years down the road, they're not there anymore. We have defied statistics here. Because we're more than a decade into this, and the core group that started here are still here. Amen. God, give them an applause. Can you do that? Because I tell you what, I have given them plenty of reason not to be here with some of the dumb stuff that I have done. And they have stuck it out and give me grace and mercy. God bless them. Uh, but I called them together because they knew the names of a lot of the people. I had a printout. I had uh, Sister Gail pull this and go to all the archives. And I've got a, a list with every person that's been through this church. If we had their name and a record of them being here, we've got it on that sheet. Hundreds of people have been through this church. Now, some of them were here for special events. They visited one time and they took all. We didn't, we didn't know who they were. But we looked at every name and name one by one. We asked, why aren't they here? Should they be here? Was there something we could have done? Was it something that they did? Was there anything that... what? Because we're not looking at it to judge them and criticize them. It's a self-check. What can we do to more, uh, better and more effectively do what God sent us here to do? And so I've been looking at this. And then I took it to prayer. I'm like, God, what is the reason for this? Because we don't want to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Somebody said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And so I'm looking at it and I went to prayer and I was like, God, what? what is the reason for this? And God began to speak to my heart, church. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, Bernie, hurting people hurt people. But healed people heal people. And free people, free people. Because you see, people that's hurting are very easily hurt again. And they very easily hurt other people. Now, not everybody that has left our church left because they were hurt. You understand? There's, there's some good reasons for leaving a church. I mean, sometimes people are relocated by their job. Jeannie and I, we, we went to very few churches in our lifetime. And what we would do is, because I worked construction, we'd go to a new area. We would visit churches till we found the one we felt like God had called us to. And we would stay there and faithfully serve that church. But when we left, it was because God relocated us to a new area. And there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes people leave because God called them somewhere else. And when that happens, you send them out with God's blessing and the favor of God goes with them. And that's a good thing. Uh, some people are looking for something different, folks. I mean, they come in, they look around, they're like, man, they up there, people laying on the floor and they're praying for them. There's something wrong with them. You know? <laughs> I don't know about that, you know. And So they're looking for something more traditional. You know, they may like more traditional music or maybe we're too much of a drag. 
You know, they're looking for something upbeat. Or maybe they're looking for something that's more soaking, you know. Like, mm, kumbaya stuff, you know, whatever. Some of the people are looking for something that's less strict. Sometimes it gets too hot in the kitchen. You know what? And if you've got a little thing going on in your life, it's a little easier down there where they don't talk about my sin. You know what I'm saying? Come on, church. And so there's many reasons that people leave, not necessarily because they're hurt. Nevertheless, a lot of times people leave because they get hurt. And what happens a lot of times, folks, is here we are trying to build the church. And people come in and we spend hours and days and months and years investing in these people. And then they leave. Because they get hurt many times. Sometimes they come in with their hurts and then you hurt them more. And what happens is in that process, we get hurt. And because of that, we begin to hurt people more than we normally would. This becomes a real hindrance in church growth. Because what happens, church, everybody look this way and listen. I don't want to lose you on this. Hurt people put up walls. You hurt me? I know, folks. I went, And this is not a slam on my mom and dad. This was the life that, of ministry. My dad pastored in churches and he would leave or God would call him. I don't know that God always called him to every church. Sometimes I believe my dad left because he got hurt. It's nothing against my dad. I mean, it happens. We're people. And he went to another church because the last church hurt him. And sometimes God would call him to another church. One time he was, he was hurt and he got out of ministry for a couple of years. Sold insurance. Couldn't do that long and God put him back in the pulpit. But I went to nine different schools in 12 years. My life was built around saying goodbye to friends. So what I did was learn to put up walls. And it's taken me a long time, and I still am working at letting people inside and loving people right here because I've always loved people here. Because it hurts to love them here only to know you're going to say goodbye to them. And folks, we, we do that in church. I've invested in them and they hurt me. And then a new family comes in and we've got our walls up. And we're like, I'll love you, but I'm going to love you right here. And we do that. We put our walls up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so they put their walls up. And you've got your walls up. Well, what is it if you've got walls all the way around you? It's a prison. You're in a prison. And we're in our prison cell and they're in their prison cell and we are afraid to come out. Because we don't want to be hurt again. Now let's look at that plateau again. Why do churches plateau? And I ask God that. I know what they taught me in boot camp, and I know what they say statistically about plateauing. We get comfortable, and that's true. 
But I believe that churches plateau because they stop healing the hurts of searching people. People come in and we're all excited. We're glad to see them and we don't care what their issues are. We're just glad they're here. Brother, I remember when we first opened the door, any warm body that came through the door, brother, I was glad to see him. I'd come, I mean, I'm telling you, I, this room was full of junk, alright? The, the sanctuary was actually across the hall. It was a room just like this. It's petitions, it's classrooms now. But it used to be we had, we'd reclaimed that part of the building and if it was raining when you come in here, you'd have to dodge the drips. Because the roof hadn't been repaired yet. And I would come in every Sunday morning. Those of you that was here, you didn't know that because I was very insecure. I couldn't understand why people would come and hear me preach. I wouldn't have come and listened to me preach, but for some reason you came, you know. And I would come in here and I would go to see if anybody was showing up again. And and I would look and I'm like, oh, oh, I don't know that family. We got some new people this morning with... But as it turned out, we was having two or three new families almost every week. And some of those people in the community is like, what are they doing down there at that old school, that old schoolhouse, you know? And so we were excited to see new families come in. And not just me, but we as a church body. We wanted to help those people. Because let me tell you something about people coming to your church. They're searching. They're looking for something. They want answers. They're looking for a friend. They want somebody to fellowship with. They want to build some relationships with you. Most of them are looking for somebody to heal my broken heart. Somebody to help set me free from the bondages that I'm in. And when they're coming to our church, in a growing church, we're excited and we're willing to do that. And then that pattern begins and something happens and they get hurt and they leave and then we get hurt and up go the walls. And then the next news, you know, everybody that's a part of the core group of the church now, you're walking around in your little prisons. And then here come the new peoples and they walk in in their little prisons. And they're peeping over the wall looking and searching at you and you're peeping over your wall looking back at them. And nobody is willing to get outside of their walls to try to help each other. And we're all in our little prisons. And if you peep in too much, they'll put a lid on the thing. And folks, when you're in a box with a lid on it, that is a tomb. And we're in here and we're hurting. We're bleeding. And the infection is eating us alive. And eventually it will kill you. Because on the growth curve, and every business will tell you this, every church planter, uh, every church uh, organizer that studied this will tell you, you go on this, this, this curve, and you grow, and you set structure in place, and you build it up, and then you get comfortable. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> Must have made the devil mad. And then you get to that plateau, and then you start to turn down. Because people stop coming to your church. Because they're searching and they can't find anything there. And the sooner or later, it's just a matter of time until it's dead. You're just trying to keep the lights on. Just going through the motions. Does that sound about right to you? Do your hand like this. Peep over your wall. Look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor! 
I wish it wasn't true. Put your hand up and look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, I'll come out of my wall if you'll come out of yours. Amen. Some of you just got set free right there. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> so let's look at how we can fix this. You want to fix it? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come unto me, you that labor. Folks, that's us. Those of you that are out there doing the work. That's who he's talking to. I'm talking to those that are out there trying to do what I sent you to do. You're laboring. You're working. But it's not easy. Because you're heavy laden. What did Paul say? The weight of the ministry is on me always. Folks, there is a burden. Ministry is a burden, whether you realize it or not. It's burdensome. Am I right, Brother John? There's not a minute in the day that it's not on my mind. They tell you to go on vacation for two weeks because it takes you the first week just to unwind and get it out of your mind. And I don't believe even then you get it completely out of your mind. You think about it at night when you're sleeping. You wake up thinking about it. Sometimes it's God. A lot of times it's the enemy. Feeding all of those fears and those insecurities and inadequacies that you face. Telling you that you can't do this. Who do you think you are? Why why are you trying to do this? But it's 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 a burden. And he said... I'm talking to those that's out there doing the work that's heavy laden. You come to me and I will give you rest. How is he going to do that? And when I was praying about this, the Lord led me to this scripture and says there's there's a three-step plan to relief. And I found it in this scripture. Let's read it one more time. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first thing he said is, you've got to come to me. You've got to come to me. And what is it about human nature that when something is going wrong, not just in church, this is just human nature. Something goes wrong on the job. Do you go and knock on the boss's door? And say, sir, can I have a minute of your time? I, I, I would just like to talk to you about something on the job that's not going right. Nobody does that. We don't want to tick the boss off. You know, what do we do? We grab some co-worker and we start griping and complaining. Murmuring and grumbling, you know. Well, what happens in the church? I get hurt. I start peeping over my wall. Looking for somebody else peeping over their wall to try to get them to come in agreement with me and, 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 and make me feel good in my misery. Somebody that will come in agreement with me about all the problems that all those people have. Am I right about it? Come on, church. And they're peeping over their wall, griping the same gripe and complaining the same complaint. And we're not doing anything but just making, making the matter worse. And if we do, finally go to God. Instead of going to one another, usually our prayer is something like uh, uh, the song off of Hee Haw. Gloom and despair and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. 
If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And then we expect to hear God from heaven say, Well, you poor little baby, come to dad I'll take that old mean old burden off of you. But instead, we hear the sound of something that we don't understand. We hear this click up. And then we hear the voice of the Father saying, All right, now hold on, son. I'm going to show you one more time how this is done. Because I told you to take my yoke upon you. You see, I've heard it taught that Jesus will take your burden away. And I've actually taught that from this Scripture. And as I looked at it again, I'm like, Lord, that is not at all what you're saying. You told me to take your yoke upon me. Verse 29 said, take my yoke upon you. Verse 30 said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. Folks, the fact of the matter is, we still got the yoke around our neck. It's still there. The burden is still there. I'm still pulling the thing. That's what Paul said. The weight of the ministry is only always. It's never gone. It's there. It's always there. And we're pulling it. All Jesus is saying is, I'm going to be with you to help you pull it. I'm going to make it lighter. I'm going to make it easier. If you'll come, you don't have to pull it by yourself. You still have to pull it. Folks, people are still going to hurt you. You're still going to get hurt. It's still going to break your heart. There's going to be a burden in ministry. And if you can't, if you're not willing to do that, there's only one way out. And that's just to quit altogether. Go move on the side of a mountain somewhere and just don't let nobody near you. Thought about that a time or two. I used to get depressed, and every time I'd get depressed, she knew it. How did you know? What would I watch? Jeremiah Johnson. Why? Because he went out in the wilderness all by himself on the side of a mountain. I'm like, bro, I don't want to go on the mountain somewhere and forget all of this. Because people just start too much trouble. I love you. But isn't that true? I mean, don't you feel that way sometimes? Well, then we didn't know I was taking notes. He said, I have a hard time trusting people anyway. So my daughter's dating this guy, and I don't want to get close to him until I know if he's the right one. That's human nature. And he didn't know. I said, I'm going to be preaching on that tomorrow. I ain't going to tell you because you might not show up. <laughs> but it's human nature. We, we do that. But Jesus is trying to tell us, look, I know the burden is there, and, and you're, going to have to, you're going to have to pull that load. But you don't have to pull it by yourself. He never promised to take it away. He promised to lighten the burden. And how did he do that? He said, learn of me. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. Folks, everybody experiences pain. Everybody gets hurt sometimes. What did the Bible say about Jesus? Isaiah 53 says, He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. <laughs> like it wasn't bad enough already. 
We hide our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. Folks, Jesus was a man of sorrow. He said, learn of me. First of all, we've got to understand, He knew what it was like to be rejected. He was a man of sorrow. Rejected of people. There was nobody on earth that deserved to be accepted more than Jesus. And nobody in history that was ever rejected more than Jesus. People are still rejecting Him today. He died for them. Took their place. And still they reject Him. But what did He do? Those that He came, He said, I came to the lost children of Israel. And He stood over Jerusalem and the Bible says He wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And you don't really get the picture there. It was chest heaving sobs as he looked upon Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would have taken you under my wings as a hen takes her chicks, but you would not let me. What can we learn from that? The people come in, they're hurt, they're looking for somebody to set them free from their prison. God says, Learn from me. He stepped outside. Knowing he was going to be hurt again. Knowing he was going to be rejected and despised. And had compassion. The Bible says he came to set the captive free. Amen. Came to heal the broken hearted. Give sight to the blind. Heal the lame. That's why he came. And that's what he's telling us to learn from him. You ask, well, am I going to get hurt? Yeah, you're going to get hurt. Somebody comes in, you spend time getting to know them, and they leave with a piece of your heart. Yeah, yeah it hurts. But what am I going to do? Put my walls up? Say, well, I'm... Because, folks, I've seen this now. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not judging you or condemning you. I'm just helping you see what we're facing. And God's got to fix this if we're going to do what God sent us here to do. Because in the past few years, I've watched this and I I couldn't put my finger on it. But now I'm beginning to see it because I've seen new families come in and they didn't stay. Where at one time they would have stayed. At least for a while. I'm talking about they just passed through. And I'm like, what are we missing here? Because I know you're loving people. I know you're caring people. But folks, we've put our walls up. And I've actually heard some of you say, I don't know if I want to invest in them because I don't know if they're going to stay. And it's not that you don't care. It's just, it hurts too bad. It's painful. So this is what God said about about the subject in First Peter, and I'm going to close with this. Chapter 2, verse 19. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when we are buffeted for our faults ye take it patiently, but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called. Do you see that, church? 
when you do good and you suffer for it, if you will take it patiently, he's saying, this is what I called you to do. Are you going to be hurt? Yeah. Are you going to have grief? Absolutely. But will you take it patiently? Because that's what I'm calling you to do. Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. Who did no sin, neither was God found in His mouth. Who, when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judges righteously. Who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree. Now, He's our example, Amen. He bore our sins on Himself on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were sheep gone astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our soul. So the last point I want to make is this. Jesus said if your labor, if you're, if you're burdened and heavy laden, uh, I'll give you rest. And this is how you do it. You take my yoke upon you. Now, that's a picture of a, of a big, strong ox. Some of you may, may know this. Actually, when they would train a young ox, they would yoke him up with a big, old, old ox that was much bigger and stronger than him. And what would happen is when they would pull the plow or the cart or whatever they're pulling, the, the old ox knew what to do, and he would pull the load. And a lot of times he's dragging the other ox along with him until it learns to walk along beside of it and eventually learn to share pulling the load. And that's what he's saying. I'm the big strong ox. Here, click it. I'm going to show you how this is done. And he pulls the load and pulls you sometimes. And he's teaching you how to begin to pull the load. And eventually to pull the load more and even more so that he's not having to do it all. That's what he's saying. Take my yoke upon you because I'm going to lighten the load. I'm going to teach you how this is done. And we look at him like, oh, he's the example. He's the example. I'm supposed to do this like him. He that when he, was, when he was in grief and sorrow, he didn't strike back. He didn't put up his walls. He didn't worry about whether he was going to get hurt or not. In fact, when he left glory, he knew he was going to get hurt. He said, for this purpose, I came into the world. That's my example. What is that, Lord? He that will come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Wait a minute. You mean I've got to be nailed to a cross? Yeah. That person that comes in with all of their hurt and all of their pain, probably ready to hurt you because they've been hurt so many times, they're just waiting for you to say something. Knock that chip off my shoulder. Give me a reason to leave this church. Talk about all those people who call themselves Christian. Do you know what I'm talking about, church? And going to stomp on your heart. And you see it and you know it. But are you willing to be nailed to the cross for them? That is what I've called you to, he said. And folks, if you're going to build the kingdom of God, that's what you're called to do. And so the families come in, and you're like, I'm seeing this. 
And I almost want to go over and get somebody who's like, go over there and talk to them, you know. Go spend some time with them. Have you, have you called them up this week? Have you shown some interest in their life? But I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to browbeat you into this. And I'm not doing this this morning. I'm bringing it to our attention, folks, because we do this. And we're like, no, I, I've, done, I've already done that. And then I build a relationship with them and then they, they're gone. And I just don't want to hurt anymore. And folks, it's not what Pastor Bernie's asking you to do this morning. It's what I believe God is asking us all to do. Tear our walls down. Take my cross. And start getting involved in people's lives. When they come in with all of their hurt and all of their pain, with all their questions, and start setting them free. Because that's what Jesus came to do. To set the captive free. We saw that this morning. People come, they're, they're hurting. So many hurting people. And we can't see it because we've got our own walls. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And I just believe this morning God wants you to tear those walls down. Tear them down. Knowing you're going to get hurt. But in that process, I also know that some people are going to be set free. Because free people free other people. And you can't free somebody inside of a prison cell. Brother, I believe it's time for a prison break. And if you can get out of your cell, go let somebody else out of theirs. Amen? And pretty soon we'll have a revolt. We're going to be out in the yard. We're going to tear the fence down. All that Constantine wire, the enemy that put up around us, it's coming down. Amen? And then we can go out into the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Go bring in the halt, the lame, and the blind. Amen? Because there's some hurting folks around us and we need to be looking for them see can we help them. Because I know that we can. You've got the answer in you. Amen? He's in you. The answer was in your... It's right there in your mouth. All you've got to do is tell them. So let's take some time and get in, involved in each other's life. And it's like, even though you may hurt me, I'm going to love on you anyway. Amen? Amen? And I guess that's what I'm getting at. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'm done. I told you what God sent me here to tell you. And you take it and do whatever you're going to do with it. But if you don't tear you all down, you'll be a lonely person inside that wall. Amen? I don't like being lonely. I'd rather be out here where free folks are. Amen. You want to be free? Stand to your feet.